God's mercy is great. And he shows us his great mercy because of his great and sacrificial love for us. It is because of God's mercy that he does not abandon us. And we're able to come boldly into his presence without fear of retribution. The fact is, God delights in showing us his mercy. Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode 67. And in this episode, we're going to take a look at what the Apostle Paul means when he says, in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. So grab your Bibles, open them to Romans 12, verse 1, and let's talk about the offering. In Romans 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Romans 12.1. Now think about this. Paul is not saying here, wow, it sure would be great if you could offer your body daily to God. You, you, you really ought to think about doing that. No. He says, I urge you. In other words, I'm calling you to my side to lovingly admonish you, to beseech you, to exhort you. This is of utmost importance. Offer your body every moment of every day to God as a living sacrifice. Paul is speaking with urgency here because of an understanding of God's mercy. So let's park here and talk about it for a few moments. You see, mercy is a word that refers to compassion and pity. It's been said that God's mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Now think about that for a moment. He saved us, not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, Titus 3, 5. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, In God's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Think about it, my friend. Because of our sin, we deserve death, not life. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 clearly states that the wages of our sin, the the paycheck, if you will, that we deserve to receive because of our sinful choices, it's death, eternal separation from a holy God. And yet God, in his mercy, yet God, in his great compassion and pity, has declared that anyone who believes on his Son, Jesus Christ, will not receive the death they deserve, but will be given the gift of eternal life. Paul put it this way, I received mercy for this reason, that in me, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. And so, Paul writes in Romans 12, 1, in view of God's mercy, because of the fact that God has not given you what you deserve, Paul urges you and me to offer our body to God. His call 
is for every born-again believer to dedicate every aspect of themselves without reservation to the Lord. How you doing with that? Let me emphasize the fact that this exhortation is given only to the born-again believer. You see, Paul calls us brothers in Romans 12, verse 1. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned, 1 Corinthians 2.14. You see, only the born-again believer, only the Christian, can present their body as a living sacrifice to God because only the born-again believer, only the Christian can come boldly before the throne of God with such an offering. An unsaved person has not yet recognized their need. They have not yet accepted God's gracious gift of washing and renewing by the Word and the Spirit. They're not yet presentable before God because they've not confessed their sin. They've not acknowledged and admitted to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. They've not yet put their faith and trust in the cleansing, saving power of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary. In short, An unsaved person cannot serve, cannot worship God in any way that would be even remotely acceptable to our Heavenly Father, not until they've become born again, saved, a Christian. Okay, so let's focus our attention for a moment on the fact that you and I are daily to offer our bodies to God. Let's zero in on that word offer. You see, the word offer, as Paul uses it here in Romans 12.1, is a technical term that was used to describe the way a priest places an offering on the altar with the intention of surrendering or yielding it up to God. Anytime something was placed on the altar, it was for the purpose of sacrifice. It was for the intent of willingly putting it to death, surrendering, giving ownership up to another, to God. As a Christian, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 2.5. As a child of God, you are considered by God to be a priest. And as such, you are to offer, you are to, to, to daily yield your body as a living sacrifice to God. This is your priestly act of worship. You are called by God to make your body available every day of your life for God to use in whatever way or capacity he desires. Okay, now this of necessity begs the question, why present our bodies as a sacrifice to God? Why my body? Think about it this way. Imagine for just a moment that you're driving down the road in a vehicle that desperately needs alignment. You ever done that before? You ever driven a vehicle that's out of alignment? If you let go of the steering wheel, what happens? The car is going to go either to the left or to the right, depending on the natural bent of that alignment. So you have to constantly fight with the steering wheel just to keep the car going down the right side of the road. The moment you let go of that steering wheel, It veers off, depending on which way it's out of alignment, to the left or to the right. And as it veers off, it's placing you and all the occupants of that car at a very high risk for a serious accident. 
Truth be told, your car does not care what happens to its occupant. It doesn't care if it takes you into oncoming traffic, into a cornfield, or even off the edge of a cliff. It just doesn't care. It goes where it wants to go because it has a natural bent to go that way. Well, this is much the same with your body. You see, when you look in the mirror, you're not seeing the real you. Okay, yeah, I, I know, I know. You, you can argue with me. Well, that's correct. I'm seeing a reflection of me. But that's not my point here. If you're to stand in front of me right now, looking at me and I looking at you, the fact is you would not be seeing the real me, nor would I be seeing the real you. Here's what I mean. Your body is not you. It's simply the car that God has given you to drive through life in. Your soul is the real you. Whenever your body dies, your car ceases to travel the journey called life, your soul will continue on for eternity, either in eternity in heaven or in eternity in hell, based on your acceptance or rejection of Jesus Christ while you're alive. So because of sin, the natural bent of your body is to give in to those sinful temptations. Just like that car, your body doesn't care what happens to your soul. It doesn't care whom you hurt. doesn't care if your sinful choices destroy your marriage, ruin your family, sour your testimony, or devastate your life. All your body knows is, I want what I want, and I want it right now. If you allow it, your body can, and it will, frustrate the desires of your new nature to please God. Your body is... Think about it this way. Your body is still the beachhead of sin. It's permanently out of alignment. And if left to its own, it will steer you wrong every single time. So as long as you are alive here on planet Earth, your redeemed new nature resides in a sinful body of flesh, a body that can readily give in to sinful thoughts and longings. There is... There's a battle. In fact, let's, let's put it this way. There is a constant battle going on between the flesh, your car that's permanently out of alignment, and your soul, your new nature. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Galatians 5, verse 17. The desires of the flesh are against or in conflict with the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against or in conflict with the flesh. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. In Romans chapter 7, Paul puts it this way, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. Can you relate? So that's why in Romans chapter 6, verse 12, we read these words, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Let me repeat that verse, Romans 6, 12. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That's a choice so that you obey its evil desires. In fact, let's park here on this verse for a moment because I find it interesting that Paul uses the word not, which is an absolute negation. You see, he writes, do not let sin reign in your body. In other words, in no way or at any time is this ever to happen? Sin must never, bold print, underline it, circle it, put a star by it, never be allowed to reign in your body, ever. 
The second interesting fact in this verse in Romans 6.12 is that the words let reign, do not let sin reign, refers to exercising kingly power over someone. If you do not submit control of your body over to God's Holy Spirit, sin will walk all over you. Never, never lose sight of the fact that your flesh desires to be king. Your flesh, your body wants to reign, to rule, to control your new nature. It wants to dictate what you will and will not do. And if you allow sin to rule in your body, you will end up obeying it instead of God. You see, just like God warned Cain in Genesis 4-7, so he's warning us that sin desires to have you. It wants to consume you. It wants to devour every part of your life. So you must master it. You must rule over it. Let me, let me draw your attention once again to Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. I want you to think with me for a moment about that word obey. To obey is to listen to the command of another and then do what you've been told to do. When you obey your flesh, when you obey your body, you're choosing, willfully making the conscious choice to deny God's truth, to ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit, all so that you can give in to the sinful desires of your flesh. The word Paul uses in Romans 6.12 for desires, to make you obey its desires or make you obey its passions, that, that word desires refers to the cravings and the longings for things that God has forbidden, the things that you, as a born-again believer, as a child of the living God, should not have and should not do. In Matthew 6.24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and King me. Matthew 6.24 So you are faced with a choice every day of your life, every moment of every day. And God's command here is that you make the choice every day, every moment, to not let sin reign. Otherwise, you'll end up obeying its evil desires, and you will end up disobeying the commands of your Heavenly Father. Now, the way you make that choice is to consciously, willfully offer your body to God as a living sacrifice every day. Daily choosing not to give in to the desires of the flesh, but to yield to God's will and God's way for your life. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says, don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness, Romans 6.16. So the question I want you to be asking yourself is this, do I let sin reign so that I end up obeying its evil desires? Or am I choosing to say no to the flesh, no to ungodliness, and choosing instead to live by the Spirit in faithful obedience to God? The choice 
is yours. Well, the bottom line is that those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. 1 John 3.24 Love for God. Now watch this now. Watch this. Love for God is demonstrated when you willingly choose to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Love prompts obedience. If you love me, Jesus says, you'll keep my commandments. As a born-again believer, as a child of God, as a Christian, oh, my friend, listen to me, listen. God has given you his spirit to dwell within you, to direct you, and to give you the strength to obey him, to accomplish all that he has commanded and everything he desires for you. But the choice is yours. Well, if you'd like to learn more about this topic, let me encourage you to do two things. First of all, go to Amazon.com and purchase my book entitled Overcoming Temptation, Four Steps to Spiritual Victory. You see, saying no to temptation, choosing to live that upright and godly life and, and, and not giving in to the desires of the flesh, that's a daily decision that you must make. And every time, every time you are faced with a temptation, you are also at that very moment facing a decision. Do I give in or do I stand firm in my faith and fight it? Do I yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit and live to the glory of God, offering my body as a sacrifice? Or do I focus on King me, what I want, I need, I deserve, I desire, I have to have, I can't live without, and therefore giving in to my sinful fleshly desires? The choice is always yours. Well, this book, Overcoming Temptation, Four Steps to Spiritual Victory, presents in a very clear and practical way how to live a life that is holy and pure, how to say no to the body, no to the sinful desires of the flesh, and yes to the, the Holy Spirit in a way that will always glorify your Creator, your Savior, your Heavenly Father. Again, the title of the book is Overcoming Temptation, Four Steps to Spiritual Victory. You can find it on Amazon.com, or you can go to my website, The Purity Coach. That's all one word, thepuritycoach.com, and go to our resources section. Now, the second thing I want to encourage you to do, if you've not done so yet, is to download my free app. Just go to your app store and search for My Purity Coach. Again, the app is called My Purity Coach. It's free. It's available for all smart devices. And it is chalked full of all kinds of helps and resources to guide you as you learn to walk by the Spirit and, and not the desires of the flesh. So once again, that app is called My Purity Coach. Well, if this Point of Purity podcast has been a blessing to you, if it's ministered to you, encouraged you, challenged your walk with Christ, would you please join our team of Point of Purity partners? Together, we are wanting to impact the world by equipping and training men and women in how to live in purity and godliness and integrity. Your financial support of any amount to this ministry goes a long way toward helping men and women find the victory and the freedom that only Christ can and will give. So I'm asking for you to prayerfully consider giving a tax-deductible gift to this ministry. 
Simply go to thepuritycoach.com. Again, that's thepuritycoach.com, all one word, and click on the Donate button in the upper right corner of our menu bar. And thank you so much for partnering with us. Well, if you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, let me encourage you to do so today. We've got a lot of exciting episodes coming up, and you don't want to miss a single one. Well, until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, he must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. <music>